if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. And hour number two is underway now. Eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thank you so much for being with us on this Tuesday. It's the 26th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord 2021. Glad we were able to get President Reagan in there at the top of the hour. I was having dinner last night with my wife and my father-in-law. <clears throat> He's 89 years old. He told us, told me, he said, yeah, he said, I turned you on. He was talking about it yesterday. He said, I turned on the radio, and uh, normally I hear President Reagan there giving his speech. And uh, instead, you were well into the show already. And, of course, he didn't realize that yesterday we were on best of mode because we had uh, that power outage slash Internet outage that was outside of our station's control. It was on the outside, so uh, we had to play the best of yesterday. But he went on to say that he started quoting and reciting from memory President Reagan's speech, that that is a clip, by the way, from his 1981, January 20th, 1981 inaugural address. He started quoting it. He said he listens to it every day, so much so that he can't help but memorize it. And I thought that was awesome. He's 89. If he can memorize it, you can too. And I hope it means a lot to you. I don't just play it for filler. I think it's impactful, and I think it's important. All right. I also think it's impactful and important to talk to Peter Kersenow once a week, usually for about a good 45 minutes of showtime, uh, minus commercials and breaks. But uh, Peter Kersenow back with us once again from the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He is a Cleveland attorney, a best-selling author, a columnist, and the host of the Kersenow Report. Peter, good morning. How are you, sir? Doing great, Bob. Hey, I'm pretty impressed by your father-in-law. You know, he's at least 10 years older than uh, Joe Biden, and I doubt Joe Biden can memorize his name. <laughs> no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, it's a different place than I thought you were going there. I thought you were going to compare your own age to uh, to, to uh, my father-in-law's, but uh, very well played, and Joe Biden can't remember. Hey, speaking of Joe Biden, Peter Kersenow, I think you'll appreciate this. Now, you're you're a little bit older than me, but '80s music was probably still a part of your 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 life as a as a younger man. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I play '80s music and '90s music and all kinds of music when I'm working out. So, okay, uh, yeah. I'm- I, I I listened to it too. '80s music is what I was I grew up on. I was in high school and in college throughout the '80s, so that's when my musical taste was formed. So, do you remember the song "I Want Candy"? Candy. Do you remember that song? <laughs> yeah, it, it, Why are you it, chuckling? You know, I've, because I have a uh, preset on my fo- on my um, car yeah. uh, for eighties and seventies and a bunch of other different things, and and that comes on pretty often, frankly. Yeah, um, I remember that song very well. Hated it. 
hated every single second of it. It's a terrible song. It's annoying. It's cheesy. It's goofy. It's weird. I never liked that song. But I'll tell you what, Peter Kersenow, you will love this variation. Let's go, Brandon! Let's go, Brandon! Hey, everyone. I'm Joe Biden. So is me. They actually breathe my nostrils to make me move, to get, get me moving. Come on, man. What are we talking about? I know a guy who can barely speak. Kids used to come up and reach in the pool and broke my leg down. Three trillion dollars on the liberal wish list. Taliban gets new toys for Christmas. Gotta get jabbed and that's an order. Unless you come here from across the border. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Yeah. Man, calm down. It's okay. I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. I got to the Senate 180 years ago. I'm not gonna be a mule. I, 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 I got something to do. I gotta go do boom, boom, boom. Tearing it down so we can build back better. Demobilize true international ever depression. Huh? <laughs> okay. Never was crowned, but he thinks he's king. You know the thing. What? Let's go, Brandon. 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 Hey! No, no, but I mean, think of, I mean, just... Hey! We choose truth over fact. Hey! You ain't black. Dog face pony soldier. Huh? Come on, man. Daniel <laughs> Peter. Peter Kersenow, I normally I would never think of taking two and a half minutes of your talk time away from you to play a goofy song, but if ever I was gonna do it, that was the one. Well, Bob, I mean, the fact of the matter is, in listening to that, that was a more accurate rendition of the facts than we get from the nightly news. It's really amazing. Uh, well, you know, I, right. You know, I understand that some version of Let's Go Branded is number one and number two on the various, you know, like iTunes and things of that nature. It's really taking off. I'm, I'm going to try to audition and become the national spokesperson for the Let's Go Branded movement. <laughs> I know you closed your speech at the uh, Medina County uh, Finance Dinner, Medina GOP Finance Dinner with Let's Go Brandon the other day, I, which was... I, outstanding i did and the crowd loved it i tell you, it really resonates i think people are done with uh this woke idiocy the the fact that we're being uh fed this incompetent president i mean and by fed i mean we're it's literally being shoved down our throats uh you're not allowed to say or even question whether or not there may have been some irregularities with the uh election i know because if you do that uh, you should be probably prosecuted by Mer- merrick garland's justice department 
But a lot of people, whether or not they think that there was something untoward about the election, think that there's something untoward about our current commander-in-chief who has failed at a spectacular level. His polling numbers have dropped more precipitously than any chief executive in his first six months, uh, nine months now, ten months of all time. And it's for good reason, because he has failed at almost every major issue that he's addressed or attempted to address. It's truly an extraordinary uh, time that we're in, and it's a dangerous time, because as you know, China is out there. It, China's on a war footing. We have to be very, very frank about this. They fired those hypersonic missiles for which we have absolutely no defense. Think about that. We have no defense against these hypersonic missiles, hey, and we don't hey, have hey, them. Hey, hey, hold on. We have pronouns, man. Come on. <laughs> Our military yeah. knows the right pronouns to use. That's easily yeah. a, a, a good way to combat hypersonic uh, uh, missiles. But we need to get very I mean, I, I suspect that there are people buried within the Pentagon somewhere, or at least somewhere in the military establishment, who are taking China seriously. But they are clearly on a war footing. The overflights over Taiwan are one thing. But they've been mapping the ocean floor. They've been uh, trying to figure out how to attack different ports. Consider the port of, of Long... You know, what did Biden say? What, what am I doing here? When he was trying to remember <laughs> which port it was. But they're trying to figure out how to attack ports, and if they did that now in our ports, it would be a calamity of, of tremendous proportions. They have uh, just launched what people suspect is a satellite killer that would kill our satellites in the time of war. They're mapping the sea floor. They're doing all kinds of things strategically preparing for war. And what do we have? Like you said, we've got a four-star admiral by the name of Rachel Levine, who is uh, doing a, a really good imitation of General Patton, I think. And we've got Mark <laughs> Milley, who is concerned more about white rage than he is about China or Iran or anybody else. And we've got Lloyd Austin, who completely screwed up, along with Biden and Millie Afghanistan, at a scale that has never been witnessed before by the American military. Uh, this is kind of scary. And you saw, for example, the, you know, the old meme that was going around a few months ago, where they showed uh, a clip of the Russian military recruiting they're a recruiting clip, and then they showed one of China. Yeah. You know, and they look like clips out of Rambo, and then they show ours. Um, this is not a prescription for success. We have been living very large here in the United States of America, justifiably so, because we've had a lot of very brave men and women who gave their lives, tough SOBs, who knew what it meant to protect freedom. And so we think that it's just a birthright, that it doesn't necessarily have to be a defended every single second of the day. And we've forgotten that. And you look at the people at the top leadership in almost every institution, these institutions are failing. They've been corrupted. We need to have a major course correction. And maybe Joe Biden will take us to such depths that people will wake up and say, yes, we made, we, we made a huge mistake. We must make a major course correction. You start with things like making sure Glenn Youngkin is elected in Virginia to get rid of this toxic critical race theory, but it's got to be at almost every level. And one of the levels is at the school board, Bob. You and I have talked about this. It's one of the most crucial. If, if people want to change the country, run for your local school board. I mean, it's easy for me to say I'm not on a local school board, but several people that I admire and know have run for school board. You know, we've, and they've been on your show, Bob, you know, from Lisa Woods and, and um, uh, Kirsten Hill and all those other folks who have given their time 
to better the educational establishment here in the state of Ohio, that's where it really starts because critical race theory has been inculcated. It's been infused into our schools. It will, as Thomas Sowell and people with much greater intellects than I have have said, this is the end of the United States if we allow this to persist. And toward that end, you know, uh, this Thursday, for example, there's going to be a meeting, which I can't attend because I'm on a book deadline, unfortunately. Otherwise, I would be there. But there's going to be a meeting at the Westlake Rec Center at 7 p.m. on Thursday, I, I encourage anybody who's listening and can make it to go there, it's going to be um, an, a meeting of the Education Transparency Task Force. Again, that's at the Westlake Recreation Center, 28955 Hilliard. There, this is an important meeting to address critical race theory and school board candidates. Our friend Bob Bodie has been doing yeoman's work trying to recruit candidates for various school boards, making sure that we can fight back on this matter. So, uh, you know, we won on Resolution 20. That's just the beginning. We hope to get State Bill uh, 327 passed so that we can make sure that critical race theory is not in any of our schools. But uh, this is the fight of the century. It really is. That's not an exaggeration because if we don't hold the ramparts here, game over. No question about it. And Pete, I want to talk more about that battle, uh, one of the battles in this in this larger war uh, over the indoctrination of our children and, quite frankly, the end of the division of our children that is uh, just really beginning. We have to stop it in its track, tracks. You're 100% right. The epicenter of this entire thing may be Loudoun County, Virginia. You know, we're yep. sitting here in Cleveland, Ohio. We're not in Virginia. Why do we care about that? There's a good reason why we should care about that, and I'm going to talk to you about that, Peter, and listen to you moreover on the other side. Uh, it's 1019. Kirsten now continues with us right after this. Okay, 1023 now. I want to continue with Peter Kirsten. Now, Pete, actually, I'm going to save the Loudoun County story and the, the CRT portion of our conversation for after the bottom of the hour uh, when we have a little bit more time. I want to follow up on what you were just saying about Joe Biden and, of course, the song, the Let's Go Brandon song. By the way, kudos to Dale Officer, our own production specialist. Dale Officer in the building is the man responsible for that uh, 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 Let's Go Brandon parody. Terrific stuff. It's a video now. It's available on YouTube. I wish you would take it off of there and put it on Rumble instead, but people should check that out. Pete, I want to stay on the Biden story for a second here. This is Biden speaking yesterday about trying to sell his multi-trillion dollar plan. Everybody talks about children, and Josh has heard me say it. I view it as a tax cut for middle-class families. A tax cut. We never have an argument when we talk about the wealthy. This is a tax cut. It changes the lives of the American people. For some reason, he started whispering and then started yelling at people that the child tax credit is a tax cut for middle-class America, middle America, which, of course, it is not. I, I bring this up a little bit, Pete, just to talk to you about where he is right now. And to say that he is, if not underwater, sinking fast is an understatement. During his first quarter as president, from January to June, Biden had an approval rating of 54 to 57%, averaging at around 56%. Since that time, his rating has plummeted. In fact, it's the largest drop of any presidency since 1953. Uh, Gallup's latest survey registers the president's approval rating at 42%. Um, 
And this, of course, is in the midst of a supply chain crisis that was self-made, uh, in the in the midst of gas price increases, which is self-made, inflation, which is self-made, workers not going to work, which is a self-created problem as well. Uh, you know, the border surge at the, which is also self-generated, the Afghanistan disaster, disaster, and so on and so forth. So, Peter, overall, his approval ratings are plummeting, and most importantly, among independents. And yet, despite that, in the latest survey, October 1st to October 19th, so in other words, current, despite all of that, among Democrats, 92% of them still approve of Joe Biden's performance. Pete, do you know any Democrats? And if you do, can you ask one of them, if they agree that Joe Biden is doing a great job the way 92% of them do, can you tell me one thing that he has done that is positive for this country in 10 months in office? Yeah, you know, Bob, that's interesting because I've I've tried that with uh, the Democrats that I know. Most of these people are are pretty bright, you know. They're lawyers, and you know, uh, they they've been around, and they get a kind of sheepish. Not all of them, but uh, many of them that I've talked to, and I try to talk to them as much as possible because I <laughs> I take kind of a pleasure, a sadistic pleasure, in asking them questions like this. But they they get kind of a sheepish look on their face. There's really no response. If you're a credible intelligent person there's not much you can say to the disaster that's unfolding before us and the numbers are even worse in several respects than what you talked about bob consider for a moment if we had a non-corrupt media that actually reflected what was going on because if you look at and from time to time i do look at cnn and msnbc just to get a gauge of what the rest of the people out here are seeing cbs abc and everything else like that and there are stories that they just don't even cover like immigration some of the biggest stories out there they don't cover you know all of uh biden's serial gaffes and all of the corruption that is quite evident um and and so you'd you'd really think that if there was even just even-handed coverage not the kind of aggressive over-the-top insane coverage that they had toward trump but just even-handed coverage his numbers would be even worse but this is in addition to the numbers you just reflected among independents it's the lowest drop in history among independents the only thing that's boring him as you indicated is, is democrats who i think are holding on for dear life to this guy because they just got finished telling us over four years that the greatest existential threat to the united states of america was donald trump and then biden rolls around and shows that Trump, by, by comparison, you know, you look, Trump on an independent basis, we had so many records being set in the positive. Now records are being set in the negative at a prodigious pace like we've never seen before in history. 21. It went from 55% approval among independents in June to right. 34 in October. That's a 21-point yeah. drop. Historic. Yeah, it's historic. So you won't see anything. And that's a a true indication. It's a gauge of where this is going to be going in the midterms if things don't change. And things look like, unfortunately, I hate to say this, but all indications appear that things are going to get worse. Inflation, the immigration crisis, we're having another army headed toward the border. Um, We have got the, the supply chain crisis that goes on and on and on, every single one of them. Usually, presidents preside over things. They, they kind of have to roll with the punches because they are not in control of everything. But almost every single major calamity that we faced in the last 10 months, you can draw a direct line between a Biden administration policy or, or executive order and that calamity. It's extraordinary, especially the immigration one, which is just so transparent. And that has 
uh, residual effects. It's not just that we are changing the demographics of this country and we're going to be changing the electorate. It has an effect on inflation. It has effect on crime. It has effect on disease. It has effect on employment. All those things are going to be suffering dramatically because of this. And unfortunately, the MSNBCs and the CNNs aren't covering that. They're not covering that at all. But nonetheless, enough of it is seeping through so that people can see the disaster that's unfolding and this this lunacy, this, I'm not sure what to make of his comment about this being a tax cut. I heard that yesterday also. And yeah, Biden's capable of saying all manner of ridiculous things. But this is one that is such a howler. Uh, We are going to, in this package, if it passes, depending upon which iteration passes, it looks like we're going to be spending northwards of at least $1.8 trillion, and they're still trying for the $3.5 trillion, in addition to the infrastructure uh, spending of, what, $1.8 trillion? That's real money, (laughs) no matter how you look at it. And as they said, there are not enough billionaires in the world to even scratch that. That is coming out of our pocket. And aside from that, in terms of in terms of taxes, the inflation rate is at historic rates right now. That is an attack. It's a tax on every American. And it's a significant one. Every American out there, they're listening to this. And when they hear Biden say tax cut, he's trying to tout all the benefits of this thing. They know they just got back from the, the uh, gas station or grocery store and their do- their uh, wallets are a lot lighter right now. And, you know, um, for middle class folks, lower class folks, that's devastating. Even for folks who are making a pretty good income, it's noticeable. And you're going to be curbing some of your expenditures, not just for Christmas and, and luxuries or things of that nature, but for all manner of things. And when you curb expenditures, what happens? We're going to have a combination of historic inflation and a stagnant or stagnating economy at the same time. This is a Jimmy Carter 2.0 on steroids. That's exactly what it is. It is on steroids. Everything that you saw, we see gas lines, we see gas prices, we see inflation. All of the things that plagued Jimmy Carter we're seeing right now in Joe Biden. So, Pete, I'm going to be optimistic as I head to the news right now. It was Jimmy Carter and his policies and his performance that gave us Ronald Reagan. Will Joe Biden lead to the same thing? We'll talk more about that and Loudoun County and CRT right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. It's it's really hard to to do this because I've only got uh, limited time with Peter Kirsten now and so much news that I want him to comment on. Um, Pete, I want to talk about how Fauci lied and puppies died um, and, and get your thoughts on this. For those who don't know this story, here's a Fox report. Fire Fauci is trending on social media after a report about controversial medical research conducted on dogs at a lab in North Africa. Members of Congress calling on Fauci to explain allegations by the group White Coat Waste Project that taxpayer dollars were used to fund the research in the form of a grant from the National Institutes of Health to the lab. According to the report, the research involved infecting beagle puppies with parasites so that experimental drugs could be tested on them. The report also claims that the 
the dog's voice boxes were removed so they wouldn't bark during the experiments. It's unclear if Dr. Fauci personally signed off on the experiments or knew they were occurring. And apologies for the horrific reporter there. That was just terrible, terrible audio, audio and presentation. But, Pete, the story is legitimate, and Nancy um, Mace, representative from South Carolina, wants answers. Why are we wasting this kind of money on these kind of barbaric and gruesome scientific experiments on, on these sweet and innocent animals, these, these, do- these poor dogs? Uh, we're killing them with our money. The uh, report is that the dogs were actually... Um, <laughs> They were actually tied down in the, in in desert areas with their faces, their heads inside of mesh uh, enclosures, um, where parasitic sand uh, mites uh, were 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 you know held or or whatever you want to call it, and the hungry sand mites essentially bit and ate the dogs' faces in order to uh, infect them. And uh, as you heard, they cut the dog's vocal cords out so nobody could hear their yelps of pain. To call this barbaric is an understatement. Um, but what is apparently provable, Peter, is that the the NIH run by, uh, a department run by Dr. Fauci sent hundreds of thousands of our tax dollars to the lab in Tunisia to conduct these barbaric experiments. The dogs were then uh, given a drug to see if the drug would combat the uh, the parasitic infection. So Dr. Fauci has proven to already be kind of a version of Dr. Mengele already. He's experimenting on essentially the entire American population to see what will happen if they take all of these vaccines, no matter what their conditions are. Now we find out that he's doing it in the most cruel manner possible when it comes to these dogs. How is this man still employed uh, by the federal government, Pete? Because he gave everybody the impression that, number one, he was anti-Trump, and before that, that he was a progressive in good standing, and you don't criticize those people. You go through parts of Virginia, as I have, and you see signs that say, thank thank you, Dr. Fauci, yard signs, as if uh, this guy is, first of all, some kind of political candidate, uh, but also some type of savior. And you and I had the discussion very early, Bob, neither you nor I, and I think most of your listening audience that I've spoken to weren't fooled by this guy from the very beginning. We didn't trust him back in April of 2020. There was something about him, and I recalled just vaguely his performance during the entire AIDS crisis. This guy has presided over debacle after debacle after debacle. He doesn't get anything straight. He appears, I'm not going to, you know, I I don't know definitively, but based on the extant evidence that we have, he appears to at best have misled or been mistaken. Let's, Let's give him the benefit of the doubt until there's some type of judge and jury who adjudicate this, but he appears to have given false or disinformation to Congress in his jousts with um, Rand Paul regarding, among other things, whether his agency funded gain-of-function research. By the way, don't you just hate that term, gain-of-function, a euphemism? What they're trying to do is monsterize or weaponize viruses. This is craziness, and Fauci gets away with it. He sits up there, pontificates, tells us all manner of things, changes his mind on a dime, has confused the public. I, I think Tucker Carlson is right when he has said that Fauci's various 
shifts here, his, his um, serial explanations for things that are inconsistent with one another has, has led to much of the vaccine hesitancy, if you want to put it that way, uh, among Americans. We just don't trust the guy. We, and by extension now, we don't trust the NIH, the CDC, or hardly any national medical agency out there. So, you know, the story as a dog lover, I, mean, I suspect 99.9% of your audience is. I used to breed German Shepherds, uh, and I still have a couple of German Shepherds. I love them to death. But, um, you know, when you hear these kinds of horrific stories, it, it puts up a, a kind of a, a patina on the, the nature of the debate that we're having with respect to coronavirus and some of the other things that Fauci has been involved in. Uh, why we are funding these kinds of things is extraordinary. Uh, there needs to be an investigation by the Justice Department, not necessarily of this type of research. I know, you know, my, we didn't do the research apparently, but we funded it. But there needs to be an investigation as to everything that occurred in the lead up to the release of the Wuhan virus. Okay, it's not been established that it was released from a lab. That's another thing. You know, you, you can't even say things like that anymore before the media jump down your throat or deplatform you. But I think 99% of your audience figured out within three days of coronavirus becoming a story that it came from the Wuhan lab, despite what all of the leftists would like to say. Probably they think it came from, you know, uh, Trump's hair or something. But nonetheless, there needs to be an investigation of this because there have been so many peculiar things surrounding the CDC, the NIH, and everything related to coronavirus, and especially Dr. Fauci. Yeah, and that's um, it, it, it's kind of amazing. A lot of people are commenting on the fact that you know he's been largely responsible for the pushing of the vaccine on everybody, which is experimental still, uh, and it hits different people with different ages, different uh, health conditions, and so on and so forth differently. We don't know how badly. We don't know what all of the adverse side effects are going to be, and we don't know what the long-term ones are. So you know, it, it, he's experimenting in large part on human beings, but it takes the experimenting on dogs especially with the horrific manner in which I just described these things were done for people to get really angry at Dr. Fauci. But the bottom line here is he's funding things that simply cannot be defended. They cannot be justified. And right. he's doing so, and quite frankly, he was doing it. President Trump had him as, as the, the lead guy, too. President Trump should have gotten rid of him a long time ago, but he's still there now under Joe Biden, and somebody is going to have to eventually, I think, uh, look into whether or not this guy's actions have been criminal and bring him before a court of law. That is something right. that I simply can't wait for. All right, Pete, let's let's do the Loudoun County thing now. Um, the the update, in case you didn't, I'm sure you did. You're on top of all of this news, but. Scott Smith, the dad, who is the featured uh, story in the letter from the National School Boards Association right. to Joe Biden and to the uh, Attorney General in the Department of Justice, as an example of a domestic terrorist father who uh, screamed and went crazy in a school board meeting in Loudoun County. We all know that Scott Smith was there to yell uh, about the trans policy that led to a male put on, putting on a skirt claiming he's uh, non-binary and going into the girls' restroom as is allowed for non-binary and trans students, where he forcibly raped uh, a ninth-grade girl. Uh, that was Scott Smith's daughter. So he went in there to scream about that, or actually to complain about that, when they told him they didn't believe him or his daughter that she had been assaulted. That's when he started screaming, got tackled by police, and eventually charged with disorderly conduct. Well, the story is kind of coming around now, full circle almost. The male 
putting on the skirt who attacked his daughter was just convicted on two counts of forcible sodomy on that ninth grade girl, Scott Smith's daughter. He is not yet being sentenced by the judge because they're waiting for the other trial at another school of the same guy, the same kid, a 15-year-old, to be concluded before any sentencing is done. But Peter, this is the guy that is, again, kind of the featured... Uh, domestic terrorist parent that la- that uh, uh, the National School Boards Association wants Joe Biden, Merrick Garland, and the FBI to crack down on. Now we know what his story really was all about. Where does it go from here? Well, I think it has a lot of ramifications here. You know, it takes a long time. You know, the old saying about, uh, you know, the uh, lie can circle the world before the truth can put on its shoes, and uh, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But that is, in fact, the case. I, by the way, I admire the restraint of Mr. Smith because, and I'm sure you do too, because I you do. and I, if that had happened to our daughters, um, I, well, I'm not going to predict what would happen. Yeah. But nonetheless, the National School Board Association sent that ridiculous letter that was colluded. I mean, the White House asked them to do that to give them the excuse of having Merrick, Merrick Garland issue that threatening letter where he was going to use the FBI, the National Security Division of the FBI, and the DOJ to investigate, quote-unquote, parents who were at school board meetings. And you're right, he was the footnote to that letter. Um, Now they've had to, the National School Board Association has had to issue an apology for that letter. Mayor Garland's trying to walk this all back and claim, you know, there's nothing to see here, but People know better. They saw what was going on here. First of all, they were enraged about CRT being uh, taught in the schools, even though the schools were saying, no, 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 nothing to see here. It's not CRT. They were then enraged by the school board letter that painted them as domestic terrorists. Then they were enraged by Merrick Garland's temporizing on this issue and trying to claim, oh, no big deal here. And by the way, um, my colleagues on, or conservative colleagues in the commission on it and I, um, are prepared to request that the Senate, you know, we're not, it's not going to happen because they, uh, Chuck Schumer controls the Senate, but we think it has to be placed on the record that the Senate conduct an investigation of what's going on with respect to the chilling effect of this letter, although I understand, as I said, the National School Board Association now says we made a mistake on this and we apologize. But there is the issue that was raised by a couple of congressmen, I think Chip Roy may have been one of them, that um, there was a conflict of interest here with Mayor Garland's son-in-law who profits off of teaching critical race theory. That's That's one aspect of it, but the overarching aspect of this is the left's attempt to suppress dissent related to critical race theory. As I've indicated before, I maintain that critical race theory is the third rail. I think that the left made a huge tactical and strategic error in promoting critical race theory because it woke up parents left, right, and in the middle. And it's exemplified in the Virginia race, which shouldn't be tied right now. It looks like it's going, it's tied. Um, This is a deeply blue state right now because of all of the population surrounding Washington, D.C. They made a giant error in trying to push critical race theory because parents want to protect their kids. Parents, or a lot of adults, will take all manner of lunacy if it doesn't affect their kids, you know, and they will go about their business, they will work at their jobs, and they'll kind of shrug their shoulders and say, 
What can I do about this stupid tax bill? Or what can I do about this? But when policymakers try to shove things like critical race theory down the throats of their kids, I have heard and seen an uproar like I've never seen before. I, I like to say, you know, I'm, I was right at the beginning of it with Loudoun County and with other places around the country. And you and I, Bob, talked about it. I was waving my arms saying there's something big going on here, really big. And this stuff is devastating. This critical race theory. We've got to push back hard on this. And by the way, the fight has only begun. As I indicated before, there are a lot of people who've gotten involved in the fight. You and I have talked about it. You've had some of them on your show. I'd like to again to remind everybody, go to the Westlake Re- Recreation Center, 7 p.m. on Thursday. Well, there will be a discussion with respect to critical race theory and trying to get school board candidates or recruit and promote school board candidates who will make sure critical race theory doesn't permeate our schools here in Northeast Ohio and throughout the rest of Ohio. But every single person, it's all hands on deck. Thomas Sowell, Victor Davis Hanson, some of the best intellects in our country have said, Thomas Sowell just had a column just yesterday. That said, if we don't stop it here, and this is Thomas Sowell, or maybe the, probably the premier public intellectual in America over the last 20 years. Um, he's a sober individual, he's wrote, written multiple books on a longitudinal basis looking at culture, and he said, what's happening in, in Virginia right now with respect to this race decides the future of the United States. That's, what, that's how important he thinks the critical race theory curriculum is in terms of damaging what we recognize as our birthright, the United States of America as we knew it and how it was properly constituted. It's being torn asunder right now by these woke idiots. Two quickies in response to some of that. First of all, you said uh, the uh, Virginia school bo- or uh, uh, governor's race is tied, and uh, it shouldn't be. It's a, it's a blue state, and uh, Glenn Youngkin is making a lot of headroads <clears throat> and in ways here. And here's perhaps part of the reason why. Do you remember this? And I make the point that we've got to do a better job in our education system. We've got to go back K to six. Uh, early on, we've got to start teaching talking about these issues much earlier than we've done it before. And we don't do a good job in our education system talking about diversity, inclusion, openness, and so forth. We don't. We've got our textbooks. But, you know, there has to be a big part of how how do you fit in in, into the social work of our nation and our fabric? How is it that we deal with one another is, to me, is as important as, you know, your math class, your English class. That's Terry McAuliffe, that diversity and inclusion is just as important as math and English. That was from his 2019 interview. Now in 2021, and he's fighting for his political life here against Glenn Youngkin, he's saying, what are you talking about? Critical race theory is not even taught in our schools. This is all a big uh, racist dog whistle. We don't even teach it. Pete, it's so important that people realize critical race theory can be taught without using the term critical race theory. Theory. Right. If they're teaching the DIE, the diversity, inclusion, and equity, make sure you get it in that order. If they're teaching die like that, then uh, th- that is critical race theory, whether it has a name or not. Yeah, that's exactly right. And one of the pernicious things that the left is trying to do, and you've heard them say, oh, we're not teaching critical race theory. It's not just uh, McAuliffe. It's a lot of individuals who are saying, no, 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 this is just in law school. That's a giant lie. It's a massive dodge. They continually, what we have found, those of us who've been trying to fight this on the legislative level at various states, is that what happens is they change names or they kind of modify certain things so it's not distinguishable as, for example, critical race theory, as taught in Yale Law School, for example. But it's critical race theory 
in its essence. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, and parents get it right away. You look at this stuff and essentially says, well, you know, if you're white, you're privileged. No, hands down. You're white, you're privileged, and by the way, your legacy is an awful one. You probably own slaves or your family owned slaves at some point, and you're an awful, evil person in your genes. Now, that's a slight, just a slight exaggeration. If you look at some of this stuff, it's truly awful. It is, it's, it's extraordinary that this stuff has been allowed to be taught. I would have expected that a lot more people very early on in the schools themselves would have raised their hands and said, wait a minute, this is craziness. And thank goodness, several of them did. And more importantly, the parents, once they got wind of it right away, there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They said, Mm -hmm. this is nuts. You're not doing this to our kids. It's not just psychologically damaging. It's damaging to the fabric and integrity of our country. We cannot have a cohesive nation if we're pitting people at an early age in kindergarten and first grade against one another on the basis of sex, color, class. It's just, it's it's an extraordinary thing that's going on here. It is the obverse of Martin Luther King's injunction to judge people on their content of the character as opposed to the color of their skin. Jumping we have to stop this in grave. its tracks. That's, that's what this is. It's jumping Precisely up and down right. on the dream, uh, <clears throat> the, grave of, uh, the grave of Martin Luther King Jr., Martin Luther King Jr., whose dream was the exact opposite of it, which is colorblindness. Pete, last thing before you go, real quick, uh, good news. The Ohio School Board, this was just sent to me by my friend Dan Hermata from uh, 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 Citizens for Free Speech. Good man. The Ohio School Board... Uh, association has broken away from NSBA. Ohio's Great. School Boards Association is the latest to leave the National School Boards Association because of the stories that we have just been talking about. So that's good news here in the state of Ohio. Peter Kirsten, now great stuff as always. I wish we had more time, but thanks for making the most of what we do. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Pete. All right, 1054, let's go, Brandon. We'll be right back.